of today and to those who are listening by podcast or on the internet, we welcome you as well. We pray that, that you'll be blessed by uh, today's teaching. Uh, let's go, uh, please, to, to the Lord in, uh, in prayer. Our Father and God, we come to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we recognize that there is no safe other than the Lord Jesus. He alone is safe, Son of God. And we thank you for the love that was demonstrated for the human race by the Lord Jesus by willingly going to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And as we look into your holy word today, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would speak to us and enable us to understand not only those who are here physically, but all who listen by way of the internet and podcast, that you would touch each individual heart and for any person who has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, we pray that today will be the day that they will come to know Jesus, the lover of their soul, the giver of their life, the Redeemer, who paid the price that we might all have eternal life. And to know the forgiveness of sin and the peace that passes all understanding and the powerful presence and the comforting presence of God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God in our lives. And so now, Lord, as we look into your holy word, we pray, speak to our hearts as only you can. In the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We've been looking at the many infallible proofs, and our, our main text has been over the course of the last few weeks, the first chapter in the, in the book of Acts, where uh, there, Luke, the writer of the, of the book of Acts, states in the opening uh, verses, that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, with many infallible proofs. And over the course of the last several weeks, we've been looking at those infallible proofs, experiences that Jesus provided to the disciples. And we mentioned last time that this occurred over 40 days, and we know that it occurred over 40 days because, again, in that same uh, chapter, those first few verses in the book of Acts, the, the uh, disciple, the writer Luke, states that Jesus appeared to his disciples over the course of 40 days, and you can read that there uh, in the book of Acts. Now, last week, we looked at a passage in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, where on, on the night of the resurrection, the, or the resurrection day, I should say, Jesus had resurrected on Sunday morning. Well, that evening, the disciples had gathered together. 
And they were, they were in this, in this uh, location, in this room, behind locked doors for fear that they too might be rounded up, uh, perhaps uh, put in jail, or perhaps put to death. But there was someone missing, and that's where we're going to begin our, our lesson today, here in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and beginning at verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. That is, when he first appeared to the disciples as they were gathered together behind these closed doors, these locked doors. Thomas was not there. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, that is Thomas, Unless I see his hands, or in his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. But let's stop right there for a moment. So, here Thomas, he's, uh, he's with the disciples, and he wasn't present at the first appearing where Jesus appeared with the disciples when they were gathered together. Now earlier, Jesus had already appeared to, uh, to the ladies, and we're going to look at that next week as we, as we consider both the crucifixion uh, and the resurrection of, of the Lord on, on Easter Sunday. But in this appearing where the disciples had been gathered together, Thomas wasn't there, and, and so as time passed, they got together and, and, and Thomas was visiting with them, and, and they shared with Thomas that they had seen the Lord. Now, you would suppose that Thomas, knowing who the disciples were, the other apostles, that he would take them at their word. <laughs> right? You're talking about John, the Apostle John. You're talking about the Apostle Peter, Nathaniel, Andrew, all these, these other apostles who had seen the Lord. And so Thomas he responds by saying, unless I actually see him in the flesh, basically is what he's saying, I don't believe. Which is rather surprising. And so that has earned Thomas this nickname, Doubting Thomas. He's been known as Doubting Thomas all through the, through the ages. But really, was he a, a, a doubter? Some say that he was a realist. We use that term, realist. We had a wonderful Sunday school lesson. And one of the, the main points of, of the lesson, of course, the main point is that Jesus is worthy of our worship. But also one of the points that, that uh, the lesson brings out is the omniscience, the, you see, the knowledge of God. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything about us, and He knows our doubts and our fears as well 
as all of our needs. But we mentioned last time that Jesus appeared to the disciples over the period of 40 days because in their hearts they had to be confident that Jesus Christ had come back from the dead. He had been resurrected, that he was alive, that he is in fact the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah, the Deliverer, and he is a living Christ, not a dead Christ. He died upon the cross, the Bible says. He died once unto sin. Amen? And he lives forever. But God is, is far beyond finding out in his wisdom and in his knowledge. And Thomas, being a realist, you know, you have all these people today, they, they call themselves realists. So what, is, what does God actually provide for us here? He provides an example of, of the disciples because there, there are those who say that Christians are non-thinking people. That we are, we are uh, people who are guilty of a blind faith. Non-thinking. That, that is not true. I was just talking with the brother Tom. Do you know, and I think I mentioned this last time, that the majority of schools early on in the beginning of the, of the U.S., the, the universities and colleges were actually founded by Christians and Jews. And there are those who say that, uh, that you know, the church is anti-education. That is not correct. Not correct. You just have to read the New Testament. It says, study to show thyself approved, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now God provides us here an example of a thinking person. Even though it was the, the disciples who were sharing with Thomas that they had actually seen the Lord, he said, I'm not going to believe it until I see him myself. It's not enough for me. I have to put my, my, my finger, my hands, into, basically into his, his wounds to know that it is him. And so, we continue reading here. Verse 26. And after eight days, basically a week later, because in the, the way that they would count in, in those times, they would, they would count the very Sunday and then the next day, that eight days. But it's, it's, it's really a week. Okay? So one Sunday to the, to the next. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. Very important. Very important. The door did not have to be opened for Jesus to appear. In that, in that special body, and one day we will inherit that kind of body, he appears and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, and, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And so, you have the disciples who witness to Thomas, because that's basically what they were doing. 
They gave a testimony, and he refused to accept their witness. So who shows up? <laughs> Jesus. It's quite amazing. It's amazing that Jesus shows up for Thomas, for all the disciples, for us, for everyone. But you see, it was important for Thomas to know that his Savior had risen from the dead because he was to go out as an eyewitness sharing the message of the resurrection of Christ. We serve a living Savior. Amen? Amen. So Jesus appears to the disciples again and this time Thomas is with them. And notice again, Jesus speaks peace. We mentioned that last time that it is the, the Hebrew shalom. Shalom, shalom. Shalom aleikum. The peace of God. God's peace be upon you. But we also made mention that every time in the Bible that an angel or a heavenly messenger appeared, the one being visited or the group being visited would be filled with fear. And they were always put at a comfort level. Peace. Do not be afraid. Amen. And so Jesus speaks peace to them. And then Jesus addresses Thomas. Notice Very important here. The Bible says that every word we speak, God is aware of. Every word. And it goes beyond that. Not just every word, but every thought. Stop for a moment and think about how many thoughts pass through our minds in a given day. Every thought and every word from the beginning of our lives until the end of our, our, our earthly lives and on into eternity. There will never be anything that we think of that God doesn't know we thought. Understand? Jesus uses the very language, the very words that Thomas spoke. You notice that? Everything that we think and every desire of our heart, God knows. And if God so chooses, He can give us the desire of our heart. That's what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, if we give our heart and we give our life to the Lord, then the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. Because when we do, in fact, give our heart and our life to the Lord, our desires will be consistent with God's desires. And God will grant unto us the desires of our heart. That's what the Bible teaches. And Thomas here, being a realist, said, uh-uh, I'm not going to take your word for it. Unless I can actually touch his wounds and know that it really is him, I'm not going to believe And Jesus comes and uses the very same statements. He says, Thomas, go ahead, put your finger here. 
Can you imagine? Imagine the, 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 the look on the, on the other disciple's face. You know, it's kind of like, I told you so. Right? <laughs> told you so. And here Thomas. And Jesus addresses him. And then he goes on, of course, and he says, Do not be unbelieving. Don't live your life in a state of unbelief, but, but believing. That is constantly, constantly, consistently in a state of believing. Believing, trusting, accepting Him. Now, Thomas responds. And how does he respond? Again, tremendous, tremendous statement. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now we, we just read through that, but it needs to make a, an impact on us because for a, a young Jewish man to call another man Lord, and then God. He was breaking with, with the Jewish tradition. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, Jesus, he's coming to Jerusalem on the, on the full or cult of a, of, a, of a donkey that had never been ridden, and the people are worshiping him. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're worshiping him, and the religious leaders at the time, then they, they, they call out to Jesus and they say, you need to stop these people from saying that. Because they thought that these people were blaspheming. Because to call him the Son of God or to worship him, in their minds, was to commit blasphemy. And here, Thomas refers to him as Lord. That is, Lord of all creation. Lord of life. Lord of all. Adonai, the Lord. And in, in the Old Testament, it's referred to as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our Lord, is one. And here, Thomas is calling him Lord, God, and my God. He is, he is identifying Jesus Christ as deity. See, this is what the unbelievers do not understand. Jesus Christ is God the Son. Even unbelievers, they have no problem saying that Jesus is the Son of God. That is some unbelievers. But most unbelievers, if not all of them, refuse to acknowledge that He is God the Son. You see the difference in those two? Because they'll say, well, we're, we're all the children of God. You, you hear people say that. Right? Especially those, uh, you know, the, the broadcasters on TV, they like to say, well, we are all the children of God. No, that is not the case. 
That is, that is incorrect. God owns everything, yes. But he makes a distinction between those who are in his family and those who are not. For in this same gospel, when Jesus Christ is interacting with the Jewish religious leaders of all people, the Jewish religious leaders, he tells them that they're children of Satan, of the devil. All right, that's yeah, just a little music there. <laughs> yeah. By which, of course, they're shocked because they, they say, no, we are the children of Abraham. Abraham is our father. He said, if you really were the children of Abraham, then you would do the works of Abraham. But Abraham didn't seek to kill. You follow? Abraham sought to please God. And you seek to kill me, Jesus speaking of himself. He said, you are of your father the devil, for he is a murderer from the beginning. Or in other words, they were not in the family of God. And that's hard on Jewish ears and Jewish hearts. But the fact is this, anyone who rejects Christ is not in his family. To be in the family of God, you must accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus is God the Son. He is the Creator. In this same Gospel, in the first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning, with God. And by Him were all things made. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And then it goes down to the 14th verse in that first chapter. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. Jesus is God the Son. He is God. And without Him... A person cannot have salvation. But with him, all of life is possible. And it is the abundant life. Thomas declares the deity of Jesus. And our, our lesson this morning dealt with worship. What was Thomas doing? He was worshiping Christ. Now, if, if Jesus was not God, he would have corrected Thomas and said, do not call me that. The unbeliever says, Jesus never claimed to be God. You Christians uh, preach and teach that, that Jesus is God, but, but he never, Jesus never claimed to be God. Do you read here him rebuking Thomas for calling him God? Or for calling him Lord? Do you see him disagreeing with Thomas? No, not at all. Jesus responds and he teaches. And he goes on and he says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Well, let's stop right there. Because you've seen me, you believe. Now he had earlier said, don't be unbelieving, but believing. And again, this is why Thomas says, 
earned that nickname, you know, Doubting Thomas. But are we any different than Thomas? I'll grant you that it is, it's easier for some people to believe than others. Some are more realists, I guess, if, if you want to put it that way, than, than others. There are some people who find it very easy to believe. Whereas others find it very difficult to believe. But this is another reason, and on Wednesday night, we, we, we were stressing this in our, in our Bible study on Wednesday, the importance of teaching our children about God. The importance of teaching children about the Lord Jesus. Because the majority, the majority of people who come to know the Lord as their Savior, come to know Him as a child or in their early years. You know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. We should say more improbable that someone after the age of 50 or 60 will actually receive Jesus as their Savior. The odds, the odds drop significantly the older a person gets. It is easier for children to accept Christ than for the senior. That may be surprising to you, but we know that because these statisticians have studied pretty much everything there is to study. And I think Brother Gary can verify that. And Miss Carol. Easier for little children. So the responsibility of grandparents to share Christ with their grandchildren. You say, but my son or my daughter is going to get upset. So they get upset. I'd rather have them upset at me than to have God displeased with me. You follow? If they're going to be displeased with you or upset with you because you're sharing the love of God with your grandchildren, oh, they need a lot of prayer. Jesus said, because you've seen me, you believe. And then he goes on and he says something else. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now in this, in this context, you can actually use the word for blessed there as congratulations or good for. Or how wonderful for those who are able to believe even though they haven't seen. And we're included in that group. Imagine that. Because Jesus, in this, in this same uh, gospel, he prays. Jesus prays for himself because he knows he's going to the cross. He prays for the, for the disciples, for the apostles. And then he goes on and he prays for, for Christians, believers of all time. That includes us. He says, Father, and for those who will come to believe as a result of the disciples and their, their preaching and their teaching. That includes us. Now we stated last time that the, the scripture is not filled with fairy tales. And notice as we, as we come to uh, the last portion of this, of this message, 
And what lessons do we learn from these passages? Well, look at verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What's the purpose? What are you saying here? What, what is the purpose? What's, what's the purpose? What purpose did God have in mind when he gave us his holy word? To know him. To know Him in the most intimate relationship and to know that He cares. Again, the Bible is not a collection of fairy tales. It is the written record of eyewitness accounts of the people who physically saw and interacted with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Infallible proofs. And we read from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where it lists all the various appearances of the Lord during this 40-day period. And one of those, 500 brethren at once, over 500 brethren at once. Eyewitness accounts. And then, secondly, why were these accounts written? They were written for us to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Son of God. And we are personally responsible for what we believe. What's really interesting is, is Jesus appears and he speaks directly to Thomas using the very, the very statements that Thomas used to justify his unbelief. <laughs> that tells me that the Lord knows everything about my own life, as he knows everything about your lives as well. Eternal life is found in Jesus, salvation by grace through faith. We sang that, that beautiful hymn, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Now there are people out there teaching these days, well, if you sin too much, you lose your salvation. Well, then I guess God's grace isn't that great. Understand? Or how can a gift be eternal if it is then based upon your goodness? And the Bible says that none of us is good. <laughs> Not a one of us. The Bible says we are all sinners and all guilty. Does it not say that? It says there is none that doeth righteous, no, not one, not one. Yet this guy over here says he can tell whether or not somebody is a Christian and whether or not they'll be going to heaven. No, the Bible says that without Christ we're lost, that we're all sinners, that we're all guilty. But life and forgiveness is found at the foot of the cross, at the heart of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation in Him, and that gift is forever. It is eternal. 
And it is not based upon our worthiness. It is based upon the grace, the love, the mercy of God. And it was paid for by Christ himself. Amen. Now, Jesus is aware of our needs and our doubts. That is our resistance and our fears. There are many people within churches who hold churches back. They, they hold churches back and they hold the ministry of, the, of churches back. You say, well, how, how so? Anytime the church begins considering doing some, something great, some, some marvelous work for the Lord, they're like tongues. Well, I don't believe that, that, that that's possible. I don't believe we can do that. And guess what? They're right. <laughs> they, they're, they're right. They can't do it. But who can? Who, who is it that, that can do that which the humans cannot do? God. God can do what we cannot do. Those people who believe are blessed. That's both present and future. We're blessed today and tomorrow. We're blessed in the present and we're blessed in the future. Jesus is willing and able to meet our needs. What need do you have? People come to church with all kinds of various needs. And we have various needs throughout our families and friends and, and neighborhoods. What need do you have? Thomas had the need to see the risen Christ. And God understood that if Thomas was going to have an effective ministry and go out and proclaim and preach and share and teach, that the doubts and the questions in his heart and mind had to be answered, and Jesus answered those. And we have certain needs, and Christ is able. He's both willing and able to meet those needs. And lastly, Jesus is willing and able to deal with our doubts. He is willing and able to deal with our doubts. Like the, the man in the, in the scripture, when Jesus told him all he needed to do was to believe, and what did he say? How, what was his response? I believe, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> In other words, he was being honest. He was being a realist. You see that? He was being honest. God has no problem with our honesty. That's what he seeks from us. He seeks us to be honest. God knows everything in our hearts. Oh, we might say one thing, believe something different in our heart. God knows that. So when we pray, we come to the Lord and we lay before Him all of our, our doubt, our fear, our need, our resistance, whatever the case might be, God is able to deal with that. So we're going to sing a hymn of, of invitation. A hymn of invitation. And notice what it says here. These things are written that you may believe. 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. You notice what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that you'll have life in His name so long as you live a perfected life from the time you accept Him as Savior until you die. It doesn't say that, does it? Oh, that, that you'll never do anything wrong, that you'll never make a mistake, that you'll never fit. No, it says believing that you may have life in His name. Now some of you have come here today and maybe you came at the invitation of someone else and you, you've never received Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you're, you're trusting in your own goodness. Thinking that, oh, that, uh, that you're guaranteed heaven because of your own goodness. No. Salvation is a gift given by God, paid for by Jesus Christ. But today you can accept Jesus as your Savior. Just come forward. Give your heart to Him. That's the important thing. Or maybe you've accepted the Lord, but you've, you've not followed in believer's baptism. You come, committing your life to be baptized, scripturally. Or maybe you're, you're struggling with, with some issue. In addition to the to the restrictions and the pandemic and all of this, the frustration that this has caused. The world is living in a state of fear, but it need not fear. You think, you think that any of this has caught God by surprise? Or do you think that this is beyond God's ability to resolve? No, it is not. But make no mistake about it, there are humans who would rather keep the human race under control, under their control. So long as they can be in control and tell you what to do. That's what the Pharisees tried to do to the people who were praising the Lord Jesus. Well, let's stand please, we're going to sing. And as we sing, this is the invitation. It is the time for you to come to give your heart to the Lord Jesus. For he's the one who paid it all. You come and make your heart and life right with him.